0: This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies. A better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B, or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's
1: Sean Kelly.
2: Greetings everyone. Great to be with you here on a Wednesday version of the Black and Blue Report podcast. I'm Sean Kelly. As we come to you today from Studio B at the Osher Sports Performance Center We are speaking of big games today on our podcast. Of course, the big one for the Pelicans is tonight at home against the Minnesota Timberwolves, and then on Sunday, of course, Saints and Carolina Panthers. We've got two great guests lined up to talk about each of these uh, situations. It is a Wesley Wednesday. That means David Wesley, former NBA guard and analyst for Fox Sports New Orleans, is with us here today. And Christian Garrick will return to our podcast in order to help us get ready for Saints and Panthers this weekend. You know, I just... I love the fact we've got big games to talk about, and for the Pelicans at two games over 500, a chance here at home to go up against a team that they'll be battling with for playoff positioning, hopefully in the spring. It's also the only home game this week, as it's kind of sandwiched between two West Coast road trips, both of which are back-to-backs, so I think this is really big tonight for the Pels. Great to have a very meaningful, impactful game here in late November, that's for sure, and then Sunday, gosh, I know, I know the next game is always the biggest one, but there's something about this eight and three matchup versus eight and three Carolina this weekend that could go a long way towards where things stand at the end of December, early January for the Saints. So, good stuff. We're going to jump right into our two conversations here in just a moment. I do want to remind you that there are tickets available for tonight's game at the Smoothie King Center. Uh, it's going to be a good crowd, uh, but there are still some key spots in the lower bowl still available, and then. Uh, balcony seats also available for tonight's game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a fun team to watch, and the Pelicans own one. Uh, they did not show well last time against Minnesota. I think they'll look to do much better here tonight at home. So we'll take a quick break. When we come back, David Wesley gets us started. a Wesley Wednesday, that'll be followed by Christian Gehrig to talk Saints and Panthers.
0: Orleans Pelicans have the perfect way for you to do it big with your buds by scoring the Guy's Night Out six-pack. Packages are available for select home games throughout the season. and Include two tickets and four beers, all for as low as $50. So do it big with the next Guy's Night Out six-pack on Wednesday, November 29th against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Visit pelicans.com to plan your next Guy's Night Out
2: today. In 1907, Dixie beer was a balanced, refreshing lager, brewed with love and top-quality ingredients. It would grow to become something that connected us. The neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe, original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more, and always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana.
0: Guess what day it is. Pump day? Well, yeah. And it's Wesley Wednesday on the Black and Blue Report.
2: Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Time for our Wesley Wednesday visit with David Wesley of Fox Sports New Orleans and other areas of fame. He joins us here on the telephone today as he is in preparation mode for tonight's ball game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Hello, David. Happy Wesley Wednesday to you.
1: Hello, Sean. How is uh, how's your Wednesday going so far? It's good. I've the, been sick.
2: Yeah, well, other than having a little cold. Yep, I'm, I'm doing well, and I feel like I'm way ahead of the game. The Christmas lights are up at Chateau Kelly. Um, David, have you gotten your Christmas lights and all that done here before December first, or are you still in the throes of Thanksgiving?
1: The wife has the tree up, and that's about it. She's been talking about getting the house done and all that kind of stuff, and I'm just whatever she does, that's fine with me.
2: You know, you're, you're a guy, though, that loves cutting the grass and weed-eating and making sure your yard's looking on point, right? So, Which I, I,
1: did, which I did yesterday.
2: Okay. Um, does that mean you're the same way about Christmas lights and decorations, or is that not in the same category?
1: Not in the same category. She is, she is all about the Halloween decorations, the Christmas lights, and that's all her department.
2: Gotcha. I just don't complain. Did you grow up in a house that had an extravagant Christmas display, or was it pretty toned down?
1: Way toned down. Uh, We were lucky to have a tree. Okay. So, um, you know, dads are no-frills kind of people. So uh, my daddy, if he put the tree up, he felt like he did his job.
2: (laughs) You do come from modest, you know, background, though, David, and I understand that. Absolutely. Yes, yes. Um, But did you ever, as you came into your career and you started to have your own money and whatnot, did you ever go Griswold at all, ever?
1: I am more of a Scrooge. Oh. Um, My favorite holiday is Thanksgiving. And my favorite time of year is around Thanksgiving. Once you get past Thanksgiving, I'm Scrooge.
2: Okay. Okay.
1: Unfortunately, I, I just, you know, it just... You know, the Christmas has taken on kind of a different animal for me and for a lot of people where it's all about not what it's supposed to be about, so I, I just, you know, I get through Christmas.
2: Okay. Deal with Christmas. So I guess I shouldn't share with you then that, that Daniel has been stringing lights up for Wesley Wednesdays during the holiday season.
1: I think that's a great idea. Oh, See, okay. that's a good feel kind of thing.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> good job, Daniel.
2: David, the Thanksgiving road trip went one and one for the Pelicans, but it was a part of a three and one week. Uh, what did you What did you take away from the most recent run here for the Pelicans since our last Wesley Wednesday?
1: You know, again, I I, I, I go back to winning the games you're supposed to win. Still um, fighting to beat some of those upper echelon teams, um, and both times, and of course, you know matchups and how you. Um, get up for certain games will appear that you're playing really well against a team, um, and the Golden State Warriors both both games Pelicans pretty much had a 10 to 15 point lead in both games for most of the first half, and then finished the half poorly and only went in with either small leads or a small deficit, and then you know in the first game it seemed like once so they hit them right in the face, and the game was a ten point lead for them, or a fifteen point lead. Whereas this one, it was just, it was little increments of leads that just continued to build. It was, you know, four point lead, six two run, six two run, six two run. Now you're down twelve, and it's like, um, there was another opportunity even on the road to possibly have a chance to beat them, and, and they just couldn't. Couldn't do what it took to, to do it, but I think they're in a, in a good place. Still two games over 500, uh, a winnable game tonight. And I think tonight is a big win or a big opportunity because that could be your tiebreaker team. That's going to come into play at the end of the year, so you want to be on the winning side of this matchup. So uh, with, the, with the fact that they've already lost to them, they need to win tonight.
2: Yeah. David, whose game are you enjoying uh, the most right now? I guess I'm talking about individuals on the Pelican side.
1: Um, you know, I like what Brando brings to the table. I like what Darius Miller has been been doing um, as, as his confidence continues to grow, uh, his minutes get better. Um, and certainly defensively, you know, the more he can step up in that direction, the more minutes he'll be out there on the floor. Um, you know, I like the consistency you get out of Anthony Davis. I mean, obviously, um, with the way things are going and the more touches and ball handling that, that Cousins get, he seems to just go out there and get you 25 and, and 10 every night, uh, regardless of how the game is going and regardless of how, you know, other people are doing. He just, at the end, just seems to be right there, right there around his average. So. Um, you know, if I had to pick a few guys, that, those would be my guys.
2: David, I'm only going to base this question upon the fact that they won three of their last four, but have the Pelicans fixed their defensive problems that you and I were moaning and groaning about a week or two ago?
1: At times, at, at times, I think they, they do a really solid job of of getting to their spots and being up on pick and rolls and, and running shooters off the line. Um, but they're the, the times that they don't, they really get hurt. Um, you know, obviously it's a long game and when teams teams watch other teams and teams follow the recipe of winning and beating the Pelicans from other teams and when you see that in the second half you're going to have a more tired cousin, well I'm going to put him in every pick and roll. And I'm going to make him have to guard and uh, he's going to struggle to be up on pick and rolls. Um, and so guards are going to come off and have options, and they have. But you see it early in games. You see it at times where Cousins is up, and that's going to be a, a big problem. And once you get that pick and roll, if the guard is able to penetrate, now you cause all the other problems where penetration, draw, kick, wide open three, penetrate, draw, kick, Swing, swing, wide open three. And until they kind of figure out what to do with that, and I think last game they went more to switching, which is a little bit
2: easier to guard, uh, but then you have the mismatch. I, I think that's the way to go with this. Okay, good stuff. Uh, David Wesley was here on a Wesley Wednesday. David, Omer Oshig is coming back from illness uh, slowly but surely here. What's his role going to be on this team in your eyes?
1: Tell you know when you have two dominant bigs and, um, and and certainly Cousins the last couple of games we got into foul trouble early where again you got to look at Alvin Gentry he loves to go small so they move Cunningham to the bench so he could be the first big off the bench C- Cunningham is going to get a lot of those minutes when. Boogies and foul trouble. So where does that leave any other bigs in a, in a fairly tight rotation? Uh, when it comes to those bigs, it's going to be going to be a lot of DMPs. It's going to be some minutes here, some blowout minutes there. But it's really going to be tough to kind of crack this lineup as they are playing uh, pretty well and probably liking. The rotation, how they get it, and the night that Cousins doesn't get in foul trouble or AD doesn't get in foul trouble, you don't get a lot of DMPs out of out of Oshik, and um, you know it's just it's, it's one of those situations. Now you have a a lot of guys for very few minutes.
2: Okay, no, I get it, I get it. Um, let's look ahead a little bit. You mentioned Minnesota tonight. I love that you uh, pointed out the importance of tonight's game as Minnesota currently is the fifth seed in the Western Conference standings. I know it's way too early to talk seeds, but just, just, for, uh, just for giggles here, uh, <laughs> David, your next five games are against teams that are currently seated in a playoff spot in the West. Minnesota tonight, Utah, Portland, Golden State, and Denver. None of these teams are on the outside looking in at the moment.
1: Going to be important for that standpoint because kind of the middle to the bottom half is really jumbled. A few wins here, a few losses there, and anything could change. So, important, except for Golden State, important for the Pelicans to be on the, the, the good side, the plus side of these matchups because it could come down to a tiebreaker if the Pelicans don't put on this this run that I'm hoping they can do, 7 out of 10, 8 out of 11 kind of thing, where they can make some separation, Um, so important week, uh, obviously you want to take care of home, Uh, they've been playing way better this year on the road, so um, tough with Utah, tough with with Portland, but um, certainly games that if they play well and minute game they
2: can win. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Portland, I guess, on the second out of a back-to-back, as if we don't have enough trouble there, as it is, uh, no doubt. And right. crazy, the Pelicans are only two games back of three uh, in the West. David, before right. I let you go, one last thing. Um, give me something specific that you're excited about with regard to the matchup with the Timberwolves tonight. Is it a player versus player or style versus style? What is intriguing to you most about tonight's game? Well,
1: I think what's most intriguing is – you know, I look at their first game, and the first game, the Pelicans, their big quarter was 26. They didn't score well against a team that is bottom five in defense. So I can, I'm can expecting the Pelicans, one, to have a better rhythm and score better, which is going to allow them to uh, have a better chance of winning this game. They only scored in the 90s, 98, I think it was. And Minnesota gives up 108. So the Pelicans need to score 110, 115. And with they're probably going to switch a lot of things, um, they, you know, that's going to keep bodies on bodies as opposed to having people roam free. This is not a great three point shooting team. So this is definitely a game that. Not only
2: should they win, um, all this stats say they should win. They just have to play a 48-minute game to win, and I expect to win tonight. Okay, yeah, well, here, here on that, or uh, as John DeShage would uh, mimic the commercial "Dilly Dilly" on that. So perfect. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> David is always dilly. yes. David is always. I uh, I thank you, and I wish you a, a happy and blessed Wesley Wednesday. Good luck tonight with Joel and Jen.
1: Thank you very much. Have a good uh, Wednesday. See you tonight.
2: Thank you, sir. David Wesley with us here. We'll take a break when we come back. Christian Garrick to talk Saints football after these messages on the Black and Blue Report.
0: What is big? Big is a balling, shot-calling, gravity-defying offense, and a lockdown defense. Big is you and your posse getting loud and proud. Big is an insatiable appetite for winning come see the Pelicans take on the reigning champs, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and the Golden State Warriors Monday, December 4th. Visit Pelicans.com for tickets. New Orleans Pelicans. Do it big. Boom! Now Uber takes you couch to courtside at the tap of a button. Heading to a Pelicans game, Uber helps you pass on the parking and focus on the fun. And if you're still an Uber rookie, you can get $20 off your first ride with code PELICANS18. Uber, a proud partner of your New Orleans Pelicans. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report.
2: Back here on Black and Blue Report, we turn our attention to the Saints and their big game this weekend against the Carolina Panthers to help us get ready we welcome back our good friend Christian Garrick from WWL-AMFM Radio and, of course, the Saints Radio Network. Christian, I have said this all week, and I know it's it's cliche and proper to say that the next game is the biggest one because it's the next game, but, man, how big is this weekend against Carolina?
0: It's gigantic. The next two games, I mean, against the Panthers, obviously they want to take it one game at a time, and then the Atlanta Falcons, I mean, this is going to decide ultimately the division and the playoff seeding for the Saints, they could go from you know, the four seed to the six seed. They could go from the four seed to perhaps maybe even the, the, the two or three seed, uh, potentially. And you know, so if things go wrong in Philadelphia, obviously they can improve there too. But it's gigantic. You beat the Panthers to start to kick off your eight-game winning streak back in uh, week three, and then all of a sudden you got them again here late in the season. And I think they're an improved football team from now, one. I think the Saints are certainly an improved football team of that first matchup, so this will be a lot of fun on Sunday.
2: Yeah, I agree with you about improvement on both sides. You you know, you look back, and of course we'll, we'll think of the Carolina win as the start of what was the best part of the season here for the New Orleans Saints so far, but Christian, I'm not so sure there's anything about the first game between these two teams that I can draw upon for this meeting.
0: Yeah, I think that they're really kind of just totally different. I mean, I know the defense uh, for the Panthers was <clears> – <throat>
2: Excuse me. One of the best
0: in the league, you know, going into that matchup previously in the year, uh, they're, they're similar this year. I mean, they're similar right now. They're they're really good. Obviously, we know that with Keighley, uh leading the way there, that they're going to get some things done. But offensively, I think they've evolved a little bit um, with Cam Newton. They've also figured out how to use Christian McCaffrey, I think, in the running game and in the passing game. So this is a little bit different of a
2: Panthers team. When you talk about the way that Carolina has evolved here, so now, what would you say are the chief concerns? at least defensively for the Saints, or even offensively for that matter, is what Carolina's offering up 18 points a game defensively right now?
0: Yeah, look, I mean, I think the Saints exposed them a couple weeks, you know, several weeks ago when they played them defensively. Um, you know, they, they, they touched them up pretty good. But look, here's the thing about the Panthers' offense. I'm not trying to sound arrogant anyway, but I think that the offenses that give the Saints' defense problems are the ones that are, you know, dimensional, multidimensional. And I don't know the Panthers have that quite yet. I mean, like, in other words, if you look at the Redskins' offense, you look at the, the Rams' offense, and that's what I would call a multi-dimensional offense. I don't know if I'd classify the Panthers at, at having that. However, you know Cam Newton, all, he, all it does is to take Cam Newton to, to go off and take over a game, and that could certainly happen, and that's all you would need. But really, for me, Sean, you've got to get, the, you gotta get the, your corners back healthy. Ken Crawley and Marshall Lattimore, I think those are huge, huge spots for this team to, to get back this Sunday, and I think both of them probably will be back considering – you know, this, how how important this game is and how important this stretch run is
2: for the Saints. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that, totally. And and certainly, don't you think the Saints are looking to wash the, the Rams game out of their mouth pretty quick here, too?
0: Yeah, and look, you know, I, I know the players would say, Sean, oh, no loss is a good loss, et cetera. But I think that there are certain things over the last two games before the end of that winning streak that you looked at and you said, yeah, they, they, they need to be reminded of, just subtle reminders. They need to be reminded of a couple of things uh, and I think this loss, uh, you know, is one of those where you look at it and it goes, all right, now they can refocus. They don't. Have, I think there's a certain amount of pressure you play with too when you have eight wins, nine. When you're going for nine, you're going for ten wins. That's a certain amount of pressure. So now that, that that's been released a little bit, you can get back to the, to the drawing board, so to speak. You can get back and, and, and redial in for a, for a pretty important stretch of the season. So I think they they definitely do. And one of the things that I, I know from just being around them, what I like about this team is they truly do work now. I mean, they they, they go to work and they. They, they pay attention to the little details that I think are so important in winning in the National Football League. I know Sean Payton stresses that.
2: Christian Garrick here with us on Black and Blue Report. Uh, two guys here that I'm, I'm particularly interested in, in learning more about their situation this week. Number one is Teron Armstead on the offensive side of the football. Christian, what do you think this, this will be like for the Saints? Is he available, number one? And if not, you know, are we looking at the rotation that we saw earlier in the season?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, it's hard to tell on Tehran. I mean, he's, he's about as tough as they get, though. I mean, you know, some fans might want to knock him for you – know, he's, he's had an injury history, I get it. Um, but I think it's just bad luck. <laughs> I mean, the, the guys out there – I know he played, what was it, I think last year or the year before, uh, basically one leg for most of the year. Uh, he's playing on one, with one arm and two legs this year. Uh, I mean, I hope he's available. They're a better offense. They're a better offensive line when he's not. But, I mean, Andrews Pete is more than capable of playing left tackle and putting Senio Calamete at the guard spot. I think, you know, they've proven that they've done that before and it's, and it's worked and worked well. Uh, Sean, if I can, though, I want, I want to talk about Andrews Pete. I think Andrews Pete is having the best year of his career and, mm-hmm. and, and is on his way to a, I, I think, should be a Pro Bowl appearance. I think, he, I think he's been that good as an offensive lineman this year.
2: I, I totally agree with you. There's no doubt. It's it certainly lived up to what they had hoped it would be a couple of years ago. Christian, on the defensive side of the football, Alex Okafor is not walking through that door. Um, that is now, that, that thing's gone. It's, it's, it's run its course. And as we saw, it is a significant loss for the Saints defense. What do you think the adjustment is this week? Can they can they continue to do what they tried to do against the Rams over there? How do you read that part of the uh, scenario?
0: Yeah, I mean, I thought they, they, they still did a pretty good job of getting pressure on golf. Uh, I mean, Cam Jordan is having an out-of-his-mind season. By the way, if, if he doesn't make a Pro Bowl or an All-Pro even, uh, I think it's a sin. But getting back to the question, I mean, they might have to, Sean, they might have to start manufacturing more pressure, bringing up the, dialing up the blitzes, et cetera, which, you know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword sometimes. Uh, but, you know, I, I like the decision I, I, against the Rams at least to move Sheldon Rankins to the end spot. Uh, I don't think that's the long-term deal. I think that, you know, Trey Henderson will probably, is probably going to man that position depending on week to week. I think they're going to make that decision. What kind of team are they facing? A heavy-run team? It might be Sheldon Rankins out there. Uh, against a, a more of a passing team, it could, be, it could be Trey Hendrickson or Holy Kikaha out there. And, and that's a player that has to step up. He, you know, he was inactive for a couple of games this, this year, and um, I think he, he might have been unhappy about that. But now he's going to have plenty of opportunity to rush the passer and, and get more time uh, playing. So, um, yeah, you're right. Look, Alex Zucfor is not walking through that building, so they've got to make do with what they have right now. And they have enough depth. Uh, to withstand
2: it, but not much. Okay. Okay. Hey, isn't it interesting the conversation that was going on back in August about Christian McCaffrey and, and what we were watching during camp about Alvin Kamara? Christian, these two guys uh, obviously have been <laughs> dynamic additions to their team, but for anybody outside of, of those co- that cover the Saints on a daily basis, like we do, uh, this Kamara thing has to be almost shocking to the rest of the NFC and the NFL.
0: Well, it's certainly shocking to me. It's, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming that you would say it's shocking. I knew, I knew you thought that he was going to have success. I, I said on draft day, I was like, look, this is the, the rookie of this class that's going to have the biggest impact in year one just because of the, the offensive system he was playing in, who his quarterback was, and who his play caller was. I didn't expect it to be this good. I mean, he's special. He's got a lot of a lot of talents, unique talents that, that just you can't simulate. You can't really uh, – if you wanted to, like, program, get on your computer and program – and dial up uh, you know what what a running back in Sean Payton's offense would the ideal running back would be uh, you you couldn't even program it I don't think he's been that kind of good and look if they did that draft again and um, they redrafted that he 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 might go ahead of McCaffrey mm-hmm. in my opinion uh, I mean I was sitting there screaming hey on draft day lead up to the draft hey the Saints might might take uh, Christian McCaffrey or the Saints should take Christian McCaffrey I thought he had that kind of special skill set and and honestly I knew who Alvin Kamara, Kamara was. But I didn't think he was—he was as good as Christian McCaffrey. and I think the Saints got the better running back.
2: All right. Yep. Hey, let's just uh, let's end with this. Let's just boil it all right down here, Christian. If if you have a chance uh, here on our program and on your shows coming up in the in the uh, in the few days ahead of the game, what do you want fans more than anything else to dial into, to focus in on, to use as their their bullet points in previewing this Sunday's game?
0: Uh you know, I, first off, I. I challenge—I don't know if you saw this—but I challenge the fans. I, I want it to be loud in there. I want it to be real loud. Like I—I I want it to be almost like 118 decibel level, 120 decibel level, kind of loud. Um, but as far as focusing in on, I think that I think the Saints have to find a way to make Cam Newton uncomfortable, which is easy to do. If he settles in early and starts getting into a rhythm, he's tough to—he's tough to to, to get—you know—to get off his mark, but. If they can rattle him early, because he can do that, he's certainly inconsistent and, er- and erratic. Um, I think that's the, that's the key to the game, ultimately. I think they're going to be able to move the ball on this, on this Panthers defense. Um, you got to fix third downs, too. I mean, they, they were 2 of 13 last week, Sean, and that's something that we're just not accustomed to seeing from mm-hmm. the Saints offense. They're usually very, very good at the top in the league in third-down conversions and, and going 2 of 13. So they got to sustain drives, and I think that, that they got to get out to Cam Newton, rattle him, um, try, to, try to force him into a couple of turnovers. He will throw you the ball, and you can trick him from time to time. So uh, get a couple turnovers, get Cam Newton uncomfortable. All
2: right, fair enough. Hey, as far as that noise thing goes, did I read right? You're going to have a decibel meter on the sideline with you?
0: I will, I will, yeah. So uh, I, I want it to be 118, 120. I mean, the, the Chiefs have 133. Uh, that's the record, right? Uh, I, I know the that Nation can get up there, but, I mean, I, I'm going to set the bar like 118, 120. Um, I, I mean, I, you know, I've been in the Dome when it's been extremely loud, and I'll be honest, Sean. Yeah, it's been loud this year, but not quite as loud as I've heard it before.
2: Mm-hmm. Now's the time, as you're saying, is, is what you're yeah, saying. Oh yeah, well I mean yeah. it's a
0: huge game. This is a huge game. Uh, I mean I can't I can't say it in any other way. It's just it's a massive massive game.
2: I I totally agree with you. I'd almost and I heard Bobby say this the other day. Bobby Aber. he'd almost take a split of the next two, but win the one at home. I I I get greedy. I'd like to have both, but that's how important he thinks this game is too on the Sunday. So.
0: Yeah, and look. The Falcons are starting to figure some things out. Um, and how about the NFC South in general? Uh, I mean, you got three teams in there that could end up making the playoffs.
2: They will that's make the, the playoffs. That's,
0: yeah, yeah, that's disgusting to think about uh, in terms of how tough this division is. So I, yeah, yeah, if you split it, if you split it, I still think you're in good shape. But I'm with you, man. Go, go for the sweep, man. Get the sweep and, and go for the sweep of Atlanta too.
2: Yeah, no, I mean I was greedy last week at Thanksgiving and I'll do it again this week. So, <laughs> Christian, thanks. We'll uh, we'll look for you on the sidelines with the decibel meter on Sunday. And uh, don't forget, right. coverage for you guys begins at what time on Sunday, Christian?
0: 11 a.m., me and Steve Court first take, and then the countdown to kickoff with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Bear and, uh, and Deke Bellavia starts at 1.30.
2: All right, sounds good. Prime time for the Saints in the late afternoon time slot. Christian Garrick, as always, we appreciate it. And uh, let's, uh, let's see what happens this weekend. Sounds good, Sean. Thanks, man. Yep. Christian Garrick with us Bye. here to wrap up our Wednesday Black and Blue Report. Uh, thanks again to David Wesley as well. He could do good guests for sure as we uh, kind of have our midweek visit with you about the uh, Saints and Pelicans. Don't forget, Pelicans tonight against the Timberwolves, coverage both on television and radio starting at 6.30, tip off just after 7. And then on Friday, don't forget our black and blue report is uh, live for you on Facebook. Kind of do a different version of things. Look for that on Friday, and uh, don't forget, all week long, you'll have coverage on both your Pelicans and Saints mobile apps. Busy, 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 as the Pelicans have three games between now and Monday. And the Saints, of course, have the big game on Sunday. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody. Daniel Salerson here in Studio B. I'm Sean Kelly. See you next time on the Black and Blue Report.